what does ideology do? Ideology covers over the traumatic real, the gaps within society. It covers over the points of antagonism that are, that are structurally built in to it. It, it. it smooths out all of the built-in struggles, built-in contradictions, built-in antagonisms of a society and smooths them out and makes things look as if there are no structural fundamental issues at play. And so ideology conceals all of the structural problems of a society. Simply yeah. put. Okay. It obfuscates. It obfuscates. Is they, they often uses that. Like, obfuscates, it conceals the traumatic real, right? And here's the whole point. So let me give an example of imaginary symbolic real here that helps to make sense because you got to realize all of these concepts Lacan developed so as to make psychoanalysts better as psychoanalysts. They were developed in the clinic to be applied in the clinic. And so here's the deal, right? When somebody goes into psychoanalysis, usually they start off talking about their imaginary features. They'll say, I like this and I think that, or I like this. And they just sit there and ramble off all the shit they, they identify with, right? So, okay, that's like they're imaginary. That's like the ego is basically the things you identify with. The, you know, you, you list them off. I like pop, uh, I like 80s action movies. I like Metallica. I like Deleuze, right? It's just a series of things you identify with that you build a conscious sense of self out of, right? Right. Okay. As analysis goes along, you start dealing with more of your relationships to authority, to castration, which is to say, when I say castration, it's you feeling like you had to sacrifice something that you lack, something that the other wants from you. In other words, you shift from just talking about the features that describe you to talking about your relationships to others, which is primarily your relationship to law prohibition society as a whole because your parents or your guardians are embodiments of social norms practices uh customs etc and so then though so here's the thing somebody will narrate their life story and they'll start talking and they'll tell you all about their imaginary features and then they'll tell you about their symbolic dynamics but the real is precisely those unconscious dy dynamics about them Things they've repressed, their traumas, uh, their 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 forms of enjoyment they can't identify with or recognize. It's all of the things they leave out about themselves that constantly determine who they are, right? right. And and so uh, Valerian said, like, Zizek, he said, Valerian's like Zizek also says there are literal gaps in reality through his use of mechanic of quantum physics. And so I was going to just really quick say, just, we don't have to get into the, that stuff. But the, the, the thing though, is that, yeah, what, what Mikey was just saying though, is that there are, yeah, there are gaps in reality because reality, remember for a uh, Lacanian is the symbolic and the imaginary. It's not the real, the real is defined yeah. as the stuff that can't be made sense of or seen within those other two registers. And so to say that there's gaps in reality is to say, well, yeah, that's because the real exists. 
Exactly. So, I mean, to go off of the quantum physics thing, which I mean, and absolutely that's right, what Zizek says about it. The point is, is that, okay, so like, uh, what is it when it comes to light? Particle, wave, duality, like, so it can't be a particle and a wave at the same time. But if you view it one way, it's a particle. If you view it as a wave, the other way, it comes up as a wave. But the point is, they're mutually exclusive. Like, you can't have both, but they are both, right? This is a formal contradiction at the heart of reality. And yet it's true. But it's real because we can't, like, we can assert that that's right, but we can't bring it into our our matrix of intelligibility because it violates this basic principle of non-contradiction, right? Like we can't, uh, you know, it can't be both X and Y, yet it is both X and Y. So it doesn't fit into our symbolic intelligibility, and yet it is there. So it's real in this sense. Like it's a gap in our intelligibility. And yet nevertheless, physics says it's right. So that's that's an instance of it. Um, and so that's, but that's the thing, right? So yes, there's a key distinction between reality and the real for Lacan and Zizek and McGowan and me and whatever, Lacanians. Yeah. And so reality is the imaginary and the symbolic, but it's also ideology because built in to our imaginary symbolic reality is the way it conceals those real gaps. The ways it conceals those real gaps, those inconsistencies, those traumatic deadlocks is ideology. So ideology is at the heart of reality itself precisely because it subtracts the real from reality. The symbolic order only is what it is is the way it does in relation to its real underside. Just like the patient in analysis who's sitting there telling you their life history only actually has had that life history because of its real unconscious underside that it can't incorporate into its conscious discourse. Okay, so I just want to say, now there are two, we'll call them big agencies, right? There's two types of authority that are operative within the law for Zizek, the big other and the superego. They are not the same. They do different things. Um, the big other, it's very, very similar. If you know Heidegger to what Heidegger called Dossmann, which is to say it is the social authority that seeks to make you conform to certain protocols, practices, etc. It is the, the, the social order itself saying, this is how we operate. This is what one does do this, or there'll be consequences. Okay. But here's the thing. As long as you relatively function in living in accordance with the dictates of the big other, it basically leaves you alone. Okay. Like, all right, you're, you're basically living a decent life. All right. Just conform, do what I say. I'll basically leave you alone. That's not the superego though. So the big other is primarily positioned in the symbolic and it's just, it's like social authority itself in a personified form, which is Dostmann, right? So um, for me, 
Heidegger's Dossmann, Lacan's Big Other, very, very similar, if not identical. But there's another big agency or social authority at work. So if the Big Other rules over the explicit rules and the implicit rules, it's the weird kind of personification of the law. Let me see if I got it. You're saying that the Big Other is like Heidegger's Dossmann, or it's very similar in the sense that it's kind of just this is the enforcement uh, of both those implicit and explicit rules in the way that like you're doing as one does. There's a right way to do things um, and, you know, and, and be and be if not at least seen as a good person, you can at least be seen as not bad or whatever. Then there's the uh, super ego. Something, and, but the thing is, as long as you're doing what you're supposed to or not doing what you're not supposed to, then it'll basically leave you alone. But the superego is right. very different. It's not going to leave you alone. And then you cut out for me. It's wrong the shit out of you. Again, I just Big Other is this personification of social authority. It tells you how to sacrifice enjoyment and how to conform to the social order, how to follow the explicit rules, implicit rules, right? And it, it kind of, I mean, this is why God is so omnipresent in human society is God is like a reification of the big other. Um, right. And so, but the superego on the other hand, okay. So if big other is tied to the symbolic order to enforcing and monitoring how one relates to the explicit and explicit and implicit rules, um, in society, then the superego, here's the number one thing for everybody listening Whatever you've heard about the superego in like a 101 class on Freud, just it's bullshit. It's not most most people who do like the 101 level Freud will basically act like the superego is what I just described as the big other. But Lacan's brilliant <clears throat> intervention into the concept of the superego as as he puts it in a seminar 20 is that nothing forces us to enjoy other than the superego well if the big other as the personification of the symbolic order and the law is what basically says here you've got to you know i prohibit enjoyment here's how to act as a proper social subject then the superego is not what we think of as like moral conscious like the conscience that Oh, you did something wrong. You need to make it right. That is not what it does. So superego is this other kind of social authority, but it's positioned in the real. It has to do with jouissance, inherent transgression, this whole underside of the, the law or the symbolic order. And so what the superego commands is for us to enjoy. Do what you want. Don't compromise your enjoyment enjoy to the maximum right and so this agency seems to be completely at odds with the agency of the big other but the whole trick is to see how they both even though they stand in contradictory positions to one another they both nonetheless help reproduce the society because the forms of enjoyment the superego commands are those forms of enjoyment that actually hold the social order together while still transgressing the implicit explicit rules. And so the reason, and, and psychoanalysts will back this up. Psychoanalysts talk about this a lot. 
that when people come into analysis nowadays, they don't sit there and talk about all the guilt they have for all of the obscene forms of enjoyment they gave themselves over to. What they feel guilty about is not having enjoyed enough. I'm not living my best life. I'm not being the, the self that I want to be. Like they, feel, they constantly feel like they are compromising their enjoyment, giving ground relative to their enjoyment instead of living it in an uncompromised way. In an attempt to bring in new people to the world of philosophy and theory while building on relationships already established, we are doing a countrywide tour of the United States this fall. What's up, guys? It's Anna Dave. Are we coming to a city or a town near you? Do you think there is a venue or audience in your local region that would be interested in a lecture or facilitated discussion about existentialism, critiques of therapism, PMC ideology, self-help, introduction to philosophy, or the time energy critique of any of those things. This speaking and discussion facilitation tour will include the Pacific Northwest in mid-August, the Kansas City, Missouri area late August or early September, Philadelphia at the beginning of October, and really we're gonna be all over the area there, hopefully, so get in contact with us if you think that we should come visit your state Phoenix, Arizona, mid-October, and SoCal, especially San Diego, late October. I say especially San Diego because we already have our guide for the San Diego region. What's the difference between a host, a guide, and a volunteer, you ask? Well, thanks for asking, actually. The volunteer role is for people who want to put up posters or in other ways promote the events that will be occurring in their town or city. Whereas the host might have a guest bedroom, guest house, or a place that we can park our van so that we can sleep in our van. We need to know if you would have like bathroom facilities or anything like that. And so the form on the website is where you can tell us what you have to offer. Guiding on the other hand though, people who love to guide take a lot of pride in their local knowledge. A good example of that would be Michael Downs when I visited him in Raytown, Missouri. And he took me into Kansas City and we had barbecue and he took me to the mall and to all these other landmark places from his life growing up there. Um, but a more recent example would be my friend Michael in Poland who took us around Katowice, Poland and basically gives a historical and sociological analysis of everything. And it was amazing. It was, it was one of the coolest things we've ever experienced. And it made us realize some people just want to provide the space and privacy, whereas other people want to take you out and show you around. And so if you're interested in being a volunteer, host, or guide, we have a special form for that. So please fill out your information and uh, get in contact with us as soon as possible so we can fit you into the schedule, because we'll love to meet you, touch base with the local community, and if you don't think anyone else in your area is interested in the things that you're interested in, if you don't think anyone else is into this stuff, well, we might be able to surprise you. When I saw that poster, Boulderillard in Boise fucking Idaho, are you kidding me? It was virtually an, an answer to an unspoken prayer, you know, it really was.
And I just couldn't believe that somebody was interested in the things that I was interested in, that I had been interested in for years and had kind of given up on in, in futility. I'd labored in solitude for so long, I had no one to talk to about it, no one to bounce ideas off. This tour is going to bring together a lot of people who want to be based in text with the people they're in conversation with. And yeah, I think it's going to be a fantastic year. The only other thing that I want to say is that Michael Downs' first book is going to be published by Theory Underground really soon here. I've got another book coming out really soon here. These books will be spread throughout the United States on this tour. So I'm hoping to be able to do some actual book launch events at various bookstores. Outside of that, I guess the last thing that I would say is that Michael Downs is gearing up to teach For They Know Not What They Do by Slavoj Žižek. We're putting out all these introduction videos and other interviews related to the topic of Hegel, Lacan, Žižek because we want to give people an accessible and sturdy basis in the discourse. The problem is, is that Michael Downs is very busy having to work at a wage slave job. And so if you want to help in freeing Mikey, make sure to go to his Patreon at patreon.com forward slash the dangerous baby and make a donation. Thank you. I would be remiss to close this out without a quick shout out to our patrons and our anonymous donors. Thank you so much for the donations already. We've only been around for a month. We already got over $3,000 in donations. Um, and so thank you. And uh, stay tuned for the app, which is on its way. There will be a Fury Underground app. So the current setup is that it is a social media site built around courses where you can suppose that people who are involved in the discussions have a shared interest in the same or similar texts and where you can assume in a lot of the discussions that, yeah, people have read the stuff that you're reading, uh, that you're bringing into dialogue. And so, uh, for instance, the idea of the university by Carl Jaspers, dedicated forum. Slavoj Zizek's For They Don't Know What They Do, dedicated forum. And then as people take the course over the years, new people will be coming into that forum. And so if you get in there early, you'll be able to see how the conversation evolves. And as new people add into the conversation, it'll bring back memories and like things that you want to work through, questions that you had with the first time that you read the text. And so I'm really excited for this. The reason I've built this website is because I think that this is what's lacking in so many other spaces, is that ability to return, to be able to communicate after the fact and in a sustained way on a platform that's not attention grabby and annoying like discord and so stay tuned because there is an app on the way thank you to our donors if you want to donate go to theory-underground.com forward slash support thank you